0: Hello and welcome to the Tapping Up podcast with me, Daryl, and we Immer Ian. And happy Oktoberfest to those who celebrate it. You know who is going to celebrate it, Ian? You. Me. So as this is released, I'm going to release it very early in the morning, just for the sake of... I'll probably be in the car as we speak. I'll have probably just picked up two inmates, driving down to Brummeland to uh, go for a stag do in uh, Munich, which should be a right o- laugh.
1: Oktoberfest in September.
0: Well, that's what it is. It's always, I'm pretty sure it's always in September, weirdly. I think it's the very start of October. The mates that I'm going down with, I'll give them a shout out because they're obviously a world famous podcast, so I'm sure they'll enjoy it. The ones that you affectionately know as uh, Steph's cousin's boyfriend, which is Luke, and uh, councilmate, which is, is, is Johnny, so I'm sure they're sat there. One of them's been back at car right now as we speak, down in his first can because he's got drinking problems. At three in um, the morning. At three in the morning. Probably even earlier than that by the time I pick one of them up. The conning, lift-stealing
1: tramps. But other than that, I'm not, not bitter at all. Not in the slightest that you have to drive, get <laughs> stitched up, pay the petrol while they just get smashed in the back of your car. Yeah, it sounds like a bit... real you got a real on deal it. out of this. Yeah.
0: Cheers, lads. Thanks. Thanks very much. Um, jump straight into it, then. Oh, in fact, just before we do, I noticed what you're wearing there, Ian. What, what, what is that that you've got on?
1: It's a little branded up uh, Tapping Up podcast hoodie. Uh,
0: oh, uh, yeah. so, so there's merch now, is there? There's Tapping Up merch, which just so happens to be flying off the shelf. I think we've had, what, at least 10 people asking for one of these hoodies this week.
1: And uh, on that note, uh, one of my mates uh, brought here, gave me a shout out who wanted one, said his brother is in marketing and sets up websites that sort out merch and all that shit. So I was going to say at some point, me and you will give him a call and he said we'll do it some mate rates and uh, maybe get finally get ourselves a website, be able to order this shit, um, have the podcast available via the websites. About time we fucking took this shit to the next level, isn't it?
0: Especially considering... The popularity is just uh, unrivaled as it stands. I'm probably going to put a picture up on his Twitter page of me either in Brummie Airport or in Munich wearing the hoodie. And in fact, I'm probably wearing it as this is about to go out while I'm sat in the car. I wonder if any of these two listening uh, has uh, cottoned on that I'm wearing a Tapping Up podcast hoodie, which I'm sure they'll probably both want one. And we'll we'll find ways to get them distributed, I'm sure. Um Straight in then, so Noche UFC. It was the company's high-profile nod to Mexican Independence Day that we discussed last week. It was highlighted by Grasso's initial title defense against top-ranked contender Shevchenko. Uh, She, of course, arrived to their first bout, having lost to no one in the promotion other than Nunes, which is no mean feat. Uh, Neither woman had fought since that initial encounter, and it ended, the first one, in a fourth-round submission uh, when Shevchenko tapped out uh, in a... Rear naked choke, I think it was. Fifth straight win for Grasso at the time, who was was, there, or was the champion, um, having won that, and had still not lost since dropping a majority decision to Esparza back in 2019. Um, did you watch this?
1: Uh, I caught the highlights. I didn't watch it, but um, you can't call it a robbery because it was a very close fight. But the most outrageous refereeing decision I've seen ever to, for the Mike Bell... Get that motherfucker fired. 10-8 round uh, in the last round to give it to Grasso, which meant it went to a split decision. Shevchenko would have won if that was a 10-9 round, which it clearly was. Um, you can't tell me that there was more damage sustained by Shevchenko in that round than Izzy took from Strickland in the first round, which was a 10-9. Uh, appalling refereeing. Um close fight um you can't definitely call it a robbery because you can definitely make the argument that it was three you know Grasso won three two anyway but on the scorecards alone for that 10-8 was just outrageous and that would have given Shevchenko who I said I believed would come back and win the fight um her belt back and she blamed it on um Mexican Independence Day, didn't she? She said, basically, because <laughs> um, it was Mexican Independence Day. The refs were all fucking pro-Mexican and um, gave that. But that that how a judge saw that as a 10-8, I do not know.
0: The problem with this is it were a pretty solid fight. Neither woman, I think, would come away with it, regardless of the scorecards. And if you put that to one side and you put aside who actually won the fight, if you watch that back, Neither woman, I think, would be disappointed in her own performance. I think both of them could have potentially won it, but the worst thing is, this entire fight is going to be remembered because of that scorecard. I, I completely agree with you. Um, both of them obviously earned a 48 47 nod on one scorecard. Uh, the deciding vote cast by, as you say, it was I think it was Mike Bell, um, awarded uh, 47, 47 47, yeah, with the 10 8 margin in the fifth round. There's no way it was a 10 8 round. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. It was definitely a ten nine, and I definitely think Grasso took it. But obviously, if he'd scored at ten nine in that round, Shchenko regains her belt. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if they've come out and explained this as of yet. Judges seem to get away with this.
1: Well, just every, a shit. Ref. I mean, it's got be, it's got to be run back, isn't it? That, that 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 I know the trilogy. Yeah. When it's two nil, uh, it's always potentially a hard sell. But a, uh, a draw like that, there can't be any other result. But surely the the, the trilogy.
0: I did say, didn't I, in my prediction of last podcast? So I'm going to take it as a win. I said that Grasso would walk out with a belt, which she did. So I'm going to say that I, I won it, even though obviously it were a draw. Um, we expected a slugfest between Kevin Holland and Jack Madalena in the co main event. It was not a slugfest, it was a tedious stand up match, and neither men wanted to really commit to an all out war um it went madalena's way by split decision two judges given her 29 28 and i probably agree with that as another one that i think my prediction was that it would go to a decision i don't think i gave a winner on that but
1: jack always goes to decisions say very few knockouts tends to go the rounds pretty durable no surprise to me that that went to uh the decision to be honest with you but i did think holland um would have utilised his ground game a little bit more. Again, I think he is somebody who tactically is rather inept. Uh, you know, he has amazing grappling skills. He's standing up a guy who's got, you know, an iron chin, probably not a great ground game. If it had gone to the ground, I think Holland would have taken it quite easily. But um, he just seems to have this mentality that, I mean, again, you, you can't, disagree with it. He wants to put on an entertaining fight for the fans. He's always a bit of a fan's favourite, but his tactical nous and whether that's him, whether that's his coaches, um, somewhat lacking in my respect. And I, I, I would be, if I was his manager or if I was his friend, I would be suggesting that it's time for a new camp. He changes camp and takes a bit of a re-evaluation of his tactical approach to fighting because he's not utilising the strengths that he has and it's costing him fights. Yeah,
0: I mean, there wasn't much else to discuss really in Notch UFC. The only thing that I just wanted to highlight, I don't know if you saw the flyweight fight between Edgar Cherez and Daniel uh, Lacarada. Was it La- Lacarada? I did not see it. Yeah, it was a weird one. It's definitely worth a quick watch of it. Essentially, a few minutes in, uh, Cherez catches him in a standing guillotine Oh, choke. no, no, I
1: did see. This did He didn't tap and the ref no. pulled it. Yeah, no, yeah, I did see that. I didn't realise it was that like, ridiculous. What the fuck are you doing, ref?
0: It's going clearly well for the judges and the refs in uh, and all official, officials in the um, not Air sure UFC because he goes a little bit limp. It does look a really nasty standing guillotine choke. Don't be wrong. He's got it in quite tight, but he doesn't tap. And he's then, moving
1: though. like it's ha- yeah. like, it, like, There's no way that that should have been a submission and the ref's got no right whatsoever to kick in at that point. Uh, the only other one for me, obviously, you've got to mention just because he's back on the hype train, was uh, Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, 54 second KO uh, yeah. of his uh, opponent. Again, it was another one that he felt like was set up for him to to look good and to get back on that hype train to try and be... Um, the youngest champion ever. I mean, incredible skills for an 18-year-old. is kind of mental, really, that he's only just an adult and he's fighting grown men and fucking them up. But, um, yeah, not really much to say about it, really. Bit of a disappointing card, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, um, I'm sure, as we say, I think this is going to become an annual thing. I think we'll see one around the same time next year as well because of it being Mexican Independence Day. So, I wonder if anything will change by the time we get to then and see if we've got any sort of up-and-coming Mexican talents that are coming through, which might end up getting on that card.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's still a few Mexican fighters that could be on there. You've obviously got um, Moreno, um, flyweight champ, is Mexican, so they could have put him on there. You've got um, King of Cringe, forget his fucking name, Retired and came back against Sterling is Mexican, Mexican roots. Um, what's his name? Henry Sahujo So he would be another one that you could stick on there. Uh, and obviously Grasso as well. So there's a few uh, and Raul Rosas Jr. So there's a fair few Mexican um, talents that they could stack the card with. If this is going to... The thing that didn't make it much sense to me, surely if it's celebrating Mexican Independence Day, would you not have it in Mexico?
0: You'd think so. You'd absolutely think so, wouldn't you?
1: But, yeah, it feels like one for me. Bit of a... Obviously, it's not that long since uh, we did the last episode anyway with you fucking off in your lederhosen for uh, some steins. So, not a great deal more, really, to report in the world of MMA.
0: Quite an eventful weekend of Premier League football, to be honest. There are a few results that probably went in the way that people expected. And if you look back and just the results, you'll think, yeah, I expected that, I expected that, I expected that. The way that the results came, however, if you'd have been watching them live, were significantly different to what you would actually expect. Prime example, and we've obviously got to start in the most logical place, Liverpool Wolves. Game and two halves would be the best way to describe that.
1: Never a better cliche than that. Uh, Liverpool woeful in the first half. McAllister was, had a shocker. Uh, I know he'd come back from international duty. they had been playing in, I think it was Ecuador, uh, high altitude, and there'd been pictures of him uh, earlier in the week receiving oxygen, really struggled, put in a very, very poor performance. Uh, they were all over us. Um, Matthias Kuna proving me right about miss of the season so far. Uh, I, don't, I mean, I can only, the best way I could describe it is he tried to dick the ball into the net kind of jumped, it wasn't, if he just stood still, he could have sized it in. If he jumped, he could have done, uh, if he hadn't jumped as high as he had, he could have just done a stooping header but it seemed to hit him around the crutch stroke, stroke, stomach area and if that had gone in, we'd have been 2-0 down and and certainly on the ropes but um, as much as I am a huge Jürgen fan, and I was texting you this in the game, probably the weakest area I always think for Jürgen is his subs. He usually leaves it a bit too late in the game to to make subs. He often he doesn't usually make subs at half time or 50 odd minutes. He could leave it till sort of 60, 75 minutes, where it makes a difference to for someone to um come on and do things. But actually in this game, got it absolutely spot on. Changed the formation, dropped Slobberzai back a little bit, which was uh he played another fantastic game for us looking super impressive. Uh, Diaz changed the game because we had no width down the left-hand side. jota was appalling, I thought, in the first half. Um, and Nunes gave them problems when he came on running. But, I mean, again, just proves exactly what I said, why we shouldn't have sold Mo. Absolutely phenomenal. Hat-trick of assists. Um, terrific game and fantastic win. Takes us four wins in a draw out of the first five games. The worrying thing for me out of that is in four of those games we've gone behind. So we're, we're, we're making it difficult for ourselves but showing very, very good character to come back and get the result there and um, impressed with Kwanza at the back, making his full debut. Thought he looked pretty good for, um, you know, I think he'd only had a couple of substitute appearances before that. Looked fairly composed, good on the ball um, but Yeah, very, very good win for us. Uh, I think I called it 3-0. So take 3-1 all day of the week.
0: I thought it was quite hilarious. And I'll just read some of the texts back that I received from you during the game. So text message saying, um, mistake not playing Nunes, Klopp's a cunt. And then a little bit later on, it was, this is Klopp all over, shit with subs. And then a little bit later, Great changes from Klopp. Totally changed
1: the <laughs> game. I'm allowed to change my mind. S- situations change. <laughs> he, he, you know, he proved me wrong for a change. So, um, the fickle yeah, nature fair of the football to him. fan. Yeah. Fair, um, fair play to him.
0: Some of the results then, I'll be honest, I'm most impressed during the, the weekend. You're probably going to disagree with this with Arsenal because Arsenal might not be as fluent as they were last season, but they certainly seem more resilient because the 1-0 win at Everton, I think it's the first time they won at Everton for quite a number of um, years. But the 1-0 win at Everton was one of those where a championship winning team wins that game. A team that is going to come second, third or fourth draws it because they can't break that team down. And they were clearly on top. They were clearly the better team. But how many times have you watched Liverpool do it as a prime example, batter a team, but you can't get the decisive winner? City have a knack to do the opposite. They tend to always get that one final chance. They obviously did it against Everton last season, I believe, where they nick it. Arsenal did the exact same here. They battered Everton all the way through the game. The offside VR decision was flabbergasting. I don't really understand that personally. And I, I don't think anyone can explain that to me. And I'll agree with them. But obviously, comes on, on comes on at Trossard. And then he ends up getting the winner. And it's a, sweet finish as well.
1: Yeah, watch watched the game, uh, ground it out, as you say, kind of the result that if you're an Arsenal fan, you'd be very happy with. They were the games that maybe towards the end of the last season, when the wheels fell off a bit, they would have drew and not found a way to win. Um, uh, but like you say, that I wish someone could possibly explain to me the offside decision. You know, the only person offside, was it either Saka or Nketiah? right on the far side, not interfering with play in the slightest. And it was given offside. It was, back. I, I literally have watched football dedicated for 35 years. And I, I actually feel like I don't understand offside now. I used to, I used to, edit, you know, that used to be the test of someone, describe to me offside, like, you know, when a woman would say to you, I'm into football, describe the offside rule to me. I I couldn't describe the offside rule to you now. The way some of these decisions go with VAR, it is mental and I just don't know what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if, let's say, Nketiah was in an offside position, because Nketiah is the one who's in the centre and I think Saka's down the right and they give it that Nketiah is the one who's interfering with the ball and he was technically offside when the lines were drawn and when the VAR decision pops up. I don't personally understand it. I can't remember which centre-back it is, but the centre-back of Arsenal is trying to play the ball laterally and I think it's better that comes and closes him down. The deflection then plays it to Incaia, who, if he even if he is offside, comes back, let's say from an offside position, and obviously plays a ball through. And I think that the quote that you said was that it was a Henri-esque finish from Martin Elliott, an absolutely fantastic finish, which obviously does not end up counting. But the the rule is apparently because better hasn't deliberately played the ball, then that doesn't count as a deflection, and therefore it's the pass from the Arsenal player. So it's when that ball is kicked by the Arsenal player that said player is offside. Since when has that been the case? Since If it comes off,
1: if it comes off someone else, it's not a ball through from Arsenal. So then it's onside. But tell me how he is interfering with the ball. I was just going to say, even tell me how Ian Ket is interfering with the ball when he's fucking miles away, doesn't touch it. It's clearly right down the outside on the, on the left. Martinelli does it. It, No no one, as you say, no one can possibly explain that one to me. And I I meant Beto
0: because they said that Beto isn't intentionally interfering with ball and isn't intentionally playing that ball. But he is because he's just sprinted 10 yards to try and close his man down. So obviously he isn't. I don't get it. I'm at the point where, like you say, I couldn't explain it anymore because I feel like I'd explain it wrong. Um, So leave that there. There was a a couple of very late comebacks. There was a, a late Villa Treble. Um, I saw Palace going one nil up. I think it was Dembélé uh, that had scored it off the top of my head.
1: Um, uh, uh, Uz- Osman, Ous- um, uh, Edward.
0: Yeah, sorry, uh, Edward. And saw them. I think it was like forty ninth minute, or something like that. They were one nil up, and then I checked back just at the end of the game, and Villa were three one up. <laughs> it scored in like the eighty seventh, ninety seventh, hundredth minute.
1: I agree with you. I mean, the one that the funniest one, the most gutting one for me was. Um... Obviously, Ange, we talked about him, you'd quoted him, you said, "You know, gets the manager of the month award, that's usually the curse. Uh, I text you again in the game, you can never take the Spurs out of Spurs, losing 1-0, thought to myself, here we go, uh, back to the usual Spurs despite part of the hype, looked at the final results and I was like, what the fuck, they won 2-1, how the <laughs> fuck did that, I think it's the latest ever win, yeah. scoring the 98th and the 100th minute to win. Ridiculous. And then Heckingbottom
0: comes out moaning that far too much time has been added on. And ironically, I think Sheffield United spent half the game time-wasting, especially when they went not win up which you would do, to be fair. But you can't then complain that the time has been added back on, especially with the changes in the rules and the stoppage time that has been implemented this season. You know it's coming. If you're going to waste time, you know full well that it's going to get added on. So maybe Angie's taking the Spurs out of Spurs.
1: Not yet. I still, I sit, uh, you said that to me a couple of times. I'm like, nah, not yet. What, you know, five games into the season does not make you less spursy. But, um, I mean, the big one for me, a man you're in crisis. Um, and I'm loving it. I mean, lost at home to Brighton, got torn apart. Brighton's team cost 16 million pounds for the whole team, which is probably like Casemiro's wage for a month. Um, and They just got smashed. They were were absolutely awful. Really, Man, you were awful and Brighton
0: were fantastic. I agree. Really, really impressed with Brighton, which we're getting used to it now, aren't we? I think with De taking over last season, we did obviously a big deep dive into his career and what to expect and that we were both quite silently optimistic for Brighton. And obviously we saw what happened at the end of last season and, and all the good that he did. And he's picked up exactly where he left off. I thought the football was fantastic. It's not one of these results where you look at it and think, you know, they've managed to come away with a lucky one there. They absolutely dominated Manchester United. It wasn't maybe possession-based domination, but they didn't look threatened at any point. Obviously, I think it's Hannibal scores a bit of a um, wonder goal. Street strike. Street strike. Yeah. Uh, Which were really frustrating because I've got, um, I can't remember his name now, Steele, Jason Steele in my fantasy team, which you're just thinking, yeah, that's sod's law. But, Brilliant for Brighton and like you say, at what point does Ten Hag start getting scrutinised and criticised far harder considering he's had a significant amount of backing now, he's had a significant amount of money to spend on these players which by all accounts, they're his players, while he's obviously excluding players like Sancho, etc. Not wanting to put those in the team. So did Manchester United start considering, or is it a bit too early to start thinking, hang on a minute, have we made the wrong choice here?
1: Well, I saw his odds dropped from 16-1 to 1 to 8-1 to 1 to be the first manager sacked after that. Um, the only other point I'll quickly make on that one was I thought Hannibal's uh, celebration was quite fantastic, like he'd won the World Cup when you're 3-0 down and he scored. I mean, it's a young lad, he scored his first goal for Man U. You know, I can understand that, but the way that he celebrated and ran off rather than what I like to see in those cases, run, get the ball, run it back to the halfway line and say, right, let's fucking go and try and get something out of this. But I thought his celebration, given the position they were in, was relatively hilarious.
0: I'm not going to take that away from him. Like you say, he's a young kid. It's a bit of a wonder strike. First goal and he's very happy about it. It's not like he ran into the crowd or all like that. He obviously ran back to the centre circle and tried to get back in position rather than getting ball, but. I saw there were a lot of criticism from new fans online saying exactly that, which I felt a bit bad for the lad. But, um, yeah, the only other results really worth noting, um, obviously Chelsea struggling again. They look rudderless, to be honest. They spent an absolute shitload, to put it bluntly, and they don't seem to be going anywhere. Poch doesn't seem to be doing anything with the team. I think you had a good laugh at the fact that Conor Gallagher was captain. I mean, ridiculous. Has he lost his
1: mind? And and I think it's starting to show Poch up a little bit, if I'm honest with you, that he's getting exposed that maybe he's not quite the manager with this magical touch that people were giving him credit for. Um, He did take a little bit of time to get Spurs going. And I think, again, when you've got a team that did as badly as they did, you've got to give someone a little bit of time. But five points from five games is not a good start. And I believe it's Chelsea's worst, second worst ever start in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, Forrest um, and VAR denied Burnley the first win. It was quite hilarious how uh, the VAR decision is ludicrous again, which we're getting bored of saying it, I'm sure, against Burnley. The ball comes down and he basically goes to Chester and it brushes the top of his, his shoulder and it brushes the top of his arm where his sleeve is. I thought the rule was anything below the sleeve is handball. Apparently not. VAR disallowed it. And then the player who scores gets sent off due to VAR, gets sent off for an elbow about 10 minutes later. So he didn't have a fantastic game. Um, City ended up blowing Manchester, uh, blowing um, West Ham away. West Ham. Sorry. Yeah. I watched uh, that. He... was a
1: good game. Close. West Ham were in it for a long time before.
0: 29 shots and 15 on target from City.
1: Um, West ridiculous. Ham were, were, were decent, to be fair. And again, they're doing well this season and look a good package. Uh, I thought they were a bit unlucky to end up 3-1. Uh, what down do you think of Naku? Very impressed. I, I was said to you that I didn't think he was the greatest player and I thought he was a bit overhyped. Uh, very, very good in that game. Proper out-and-out winger. Can go either way. Cutting in. Um, yeah, making me eat a little bit of slices of humble pie in that match. I thought it was very good.
0: The only other thing, just with regards to the Premier League results, are Luton going to pick up a point this season? <laughs>
1: Uh, I saw a fact, again, a stat for you, they are 50-1 to one to not get a single point.
0: They're not really. good odds, are they, realistically? No,
1: no, and they're going to get something, can't they? But yeah. that Derby's record is definitely under threat. And I think we said this at the start of the season, they've tried to make a few signings, ins but um, definitely won't. Top, th- top three worst teams ever to be in the Premier League, I would say.
0: I think there's still a time, um, obviously, for them to change uh, to turn it round. They've got January, of course, but it, it doesn't look good for them. They're looking like that Derby team. They're looking like that Huddersfield team. But the Huddersfield team stayed up, uh, despite the fact that they look very, very poor. So, you know, miracles can happen. Uh, obviously, it was a miracle that they got into the Premier League in the first place. They did very well to do so. So that might turn round. And obviously, next season, when Leeds return, I'd like them to still be in the Premier League because that would be quite a nice game to have in the Premier League. On that note, I've got to mention us, even though I know we don't cover the Championship too much on this particular podcast. Leeds are finally starting to click. I thought they looked outstanding, to be honest. There were about five, ten minutes of us looking a bit shaky. uh, Millwall away, always a difficult fixture, especially for Leeds and especially in the Championship. But that attacking four is... Unbelievably good. Really, really talented. The first goal that Leeds scored was probably one of the best pieces of play I've seen us um, engage in since Bielsa, which is uh, was the that biggest
1: compliment. Was that Pier- Pirro's goal?
0: Yeah, Pirro's first one. Um, it's just it's that one that I showed you in the...
1: Yeah, um... I had seen it before you showed yeah, me. It was very, very, very good, good. counter-attacking football. Um, the thing that surprised me is I thought you were... Doing a little bit better, if I'm honest. When I looked at the league table at that, I thought, nice, it's a good result for Leeds. That would put them up sort of 8th, ninth, 7th. But I think you're still 10th or 11th in the league? 10th we are, indeed.
0: Um, I'll be honest, I don't really take note of the, the league table at this early stage. The Championship is one of those where games come thick and fast. The only time that you really start taking note of it is around Christmas. If you're not in and around the top six around Christmas you're normally not going to be there barring you know some late run. Obviously, there was the Reading infamous run where they came out of nowhere and ended up absolutely smashing through the league. But yeah, it's not one to take note of. The whole point for me was after the international break, that's when the season officially started for Leeds because of the fact that they've got rid of the people who wanted out. They've sorted out contractual issues or in the process of sorting out contractual issues like with Nonto. Their attack is settled. They've got everyone that wants to be at the club. Obviously, Nonto has done a U-turn, thankfully, on that. And I think we'll start to see them, hopefully, turning the screw a little bit and blowing teams away. So, inevitably, I'm sure we'll lose against
1: Hull tomorrow. Definitely the best result of the season so far for the u though. I thought 3-0, as we talked about it last week. But, 3-1. Uh, 3-1, mill wool uh, Millwall yeah. are a difficult team what three nil. What am I talking about? It, yeah, don't even know bit, yeah. fucking your own team's results <laughs> I'm
0: thinking of Liverpool um, that. Um, We're that good. but
1: they do play that deep defensive press they are a tough team to break down particularly at home so very encouraging sign for Leeds I would say that but it's one of those ones as well that you've got to look at you need the momentum if you then go and do fuck all tomorrow and don't get you know a win then it kind of takes away from that result a little bit but a win tomorrow would probably boost you up another Three, four, five places, two, three, four wins on the bounce, and you'll probably be top four, top five, and starting to look like putting a challenge for the for, to get, for promotion together.
0: Champions leagues back then, finally, um, the best of all the teams in Europe playing each other. Um, I can't. I'm just looking. I can't see who you're playing, Ian. It, it was, have I missed it? Is it next you, week?
1: We've, we've got the, uh, the, how can you say it? I don't understand how you can say that. We have got the Giants of LASK Linsk from Austria <laughs> on Thursday away. Very, before, very difficult match.
0: Before we get into Thursday nights, which of course are Europa nights, and I'm very excited I don't even that. want to talk about it. Well, we'll get on to it. We've got to do. Um, at this moment in time, as we're speaking, AC Milan are playing Newcastle. Um, no, from no. what I can see, they're absolutely getting
1: hammered. Apparently, Pope is pulling off wonder saves from what I've been uh, reading. I've been keeping an eye on this one because I thought this would be a relatively straightforward win for AC. They've been doing very well this season, uh, won every game until they got humbled by Inter at the weekend. Newcastle obviously have been a bit shaky. Um, Stats-wise, 17 attempts on goal for AC Milan so far compared to four from... um, Newcastle. Um, and Eight shots uh, on target. Yeah, yes. and set seven saves from Pope. So he's obviously having a blinder, but uh, it's 15 minutes to go. You wouldn't bet against AC finding that late winner. The only other one going on at the moment is your favourite team. Young boys are drawing one-all <laughs> with uh, Leipzig, um, which Leipzig, I suspected, would, would win that. They've been doing very well this season. Um, they've got, they've done quite well. Um, They bought uh, Lois Appenda, who had a a sensational season in France last season. I think we talked about up front. And they've also been very shrewd in the transfer market that uh, PSG, the Sneaky Bastards, reactivated their buyback clause of Yavi Simmons from PSG after he had an amazing season and then sent him straight out on loan to uh, Leipzig and in the Bundesliga so far, he's played four games, three goals, four assists, so seven goal contributions in four games, showing the the promise that he originally was supposed to have when he was a young kid at Barca. So I just thought I'd give a quick mention for that. Uh, today's the only other highlight I would probably say. Up uh, today's games are not some great ones uh, for the eight o'clock kickoffs. Is probably the pick of the match is is uh, PSG Dortmund. Is the other yeah, game which is that Milan and Newcastle's
0: group, isn't it? It's a difficult group for Newcastle. Is that I don't think you could really ask for a more difficult group. But on the flip side, I suppose, if you're a Newcastle fan, you get into Europe for the first time in God knows how long, you want to be playing these games, don't you? you don't it was want to going to, play to be expected. People
1: were talking about that. They're going to be, because they haven't been in Europe, they are be in the fourth pot in terms of seeding. Yeah. They were always going to get a tough group. Now, they could have got a tougher group and they could have got maybe a slightly easier group. But yeah, they Anyone a Newcastle fan that was thinking they were going to get a good draw purely by the fact they were being in pot four was going to make it very difficult for them unless they got super lucky. Um, moving on to tomorrow, um, picked out three games that I think would probably be worth watching or at least discussing. Just before um, we
0: do, I just want you to pronounce the team that Manchester City are playing tonight.
1: Um, they were formerly Red Star Belgrade. I'm not going oh. to try and pronounce them now. I don't even know don't, how to say so it. There's so
0: many Zs and Vs and... I don't know why they... Why did they change their name? the name? Red
1: Star Belgrade, what's wrong with that? And they changed why, it Why did your boys ago.
0: change their name? I'd like them to change their so name. To what, old I'm, boys? To like make just, it sound that. Anything that doesn't ropey. involve you making jokes about me every single time that we get onto these podcasts um, implicating me like Russell Brand or something.
1: Oh, here we go. <laughs> um... Tomorrow's matches, is main one for me. Uh, we've got Real Madrid um, playing Union Berlin. So Union Berlin making their debut in Champions League after a very good season last year. Um, they've made a few more signings. Um, don't probably see them causing Real a great deal of trouble, uh, trouble particularly the way that Jude is playing and tearing it up for them at the moment. So it'll probably be a relatively easy win, but they are again a very cohesive defensive unit, but uh, Berlin only made uh, more astute by the signing of Benucci, which was for me, one of the signings of the season on a free. I would have taken him at Liverpool, given we needed backup um, at centre-back. You know, ben- Leonardo Benucci is a, a fantastic player. Even at 34, I would have taken him all day, every day. Did um, you know that this is the first ever competitive meeting between the two teams
0: and uh, Union Berlin become the 150th side that Real Madrid have faced in European competitions.
1: What a great
0: stat! There you go, statistician by day, um, statistician by, by night. night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got Bayern Munich, which is interesting because you'll be over there in Munich. I'll be supporting when Bayern. It goes on. Uh, good man, uh, singing some uh, marching on together. Hopefully, uh, when you come across the uh, new fans mingling in the in the the city centre, I hope proudly wearing your Leeds Leeds uh, shirt.
0: I've got another another fact for you. Uh, you know, Manchester United have only lost more Champions League games against Barcelona than they have against Bayern Munich. Although one of their last two wins against them was when they won the trophy in 1999.
1: <laughs> Bayern are doing okay this season. They struggled, I'll say, last-minute draw uh, to Leverkusen, joint top at the moment in the league. I've been saying to you for a while now that Xavi Alonso is the man and I think would be my natural successor for um, uh, Klopp when he goes, uh, if, he, if he stayed at Leverkusen. I was disappointed on a side note going off on a slight tangent. Apparently next summer, Bayern and Real Madrid will battle it out for his signature to be manager. So that could put a bit of a dampener on that. But he is doing wonders at Leverkusen. I think they were in 17th position in the league last year when he took over. Ended up getting them into Europe and now they look flying. they've made some good signings um and they're doing really well but i really rate him but i hoped uh the pull of being a um I wouldn't quite call him a legend but an absolutely amazing player for us might mean if 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 he could stay away from those bigger teams long enough that we might get him first before we moved on ultimately he's going to end up at Rao i think it'd be fair to say he played there a, a long time and obviously he did actually play at Bayern as well so both of them are interested but I was. I can't say I was. Wasn't not slightly disappointed when I read that. Um, if it's if the rumours are to be true,
0: have we just skipped on from Champions League to to your league? Then my dr- my
1: dreams to, to replace Klopp, but um, no. And the f- final one I picked out for tomorrow, which I think is one of those games that could fly under the radar a little bit. Two teams that aren't particularly well known, but it's often these are the type of games that actually give you a, a decent game to watch. Is uh, Sevilla Lons. Um, I could see that being a good game. Uh, Lons doing quite well, i have already beaten PSG in the league this season. Um, Sevilla uh, struggled last season but seemed to be doing a bit better. So they were the three that I picked out from tomorrow's uh matches that I could see. Um, skip being... back
0: to Champions League. I see. Like, what, what's where's the cohesion here? It's
1: our work, is it? <laughs> Jumping all over the place,
0: all, all over the place. Um, do you want a fun fact about um Liverpool? uh oh, are you bothered about oh, yeah. oh
1: you jump all about everywhere and you talk a of nonsense and now we're gonna but go it, to Liverpool who aren't even in the Champions League. But yeah, please either
0: Leverkusen you've just talked about Leverkusen playing hacking tomorrow. It's come out of nowhere. Um go on, give me a fun fact. I, it's the first ever competitive meeting between LAS and K and Liverpool, the Austrian side have faced English opposition four times previously. They've had two defeats in the Europa League last 16 to Manchester United in 2019-2020 and one defeat and one draw with Tottenham in the group stages of the competition a couple of years ago in the 20-21 season. There you go.
1: Fantastic fact. (laughs) Blame my mind with that. Um, But you'll be thinking about it when you sleep tonight. We will put out a very, very average team. I would have thought rest all the big boys and I would expect us to have, I mean, they're not a bad team, to be honest with you, outside of the big two, if you can call them that, in Austria of Salzburg and uh, Austria-Vienna. They are probably the next best team and have been challenging uh, for the title fairly recently so that they are one of those teams that maybe shouldn't be slept on and it would be dangerous if we put out a Complete and utter four eleven changes, but um Virgil's back from his ban, so it wouldn't surprise me if Virgil played some part because he's pre- pre- he's pretty fresh. Uh Obviously, with the five up front, we've got we've got options to rotate and play those. Um, Nunez came off the bench, so I wouldn't be surprised to see Nunez start. The one I'm sure uh, I think Mo will be rested. I think Slobozai will be rested. And I think Robertson will be rested. Would be the uh, would be the ones I would suggest.
0: Outside of the Champions League, then, do you hold out any hope in the Europa League for any of the um, British teams? So uh, obviously we've got Brighton, you've got West Ham, uh, Rangers. Uh, I think believe. Uh, are in there, and obviously yourself, any of those do you reckon are going to go any further? I mean, all should
1: have a good chance. I mean Liverpool more than anyone, uh really, if they depend on how seriously they take it, I mean again, you you'd think our group we could probably should go through a canter and then do you take it a little bit more seriously when you get into the 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 latter stages? Uh, I think a lot personally for me will depend on how we're doing in the league because obviously, if we are playing like we were last season, for example, and the top four is, is, is a stretch, this is a way to get into the Champions League by winning it. So you'd be foolish to not take it seriously. Um, certainly, if you were those other teams at Brighton, for example, that might be doing really well, but you would struggle to ultimately see finish top four, if I were there, I'd be going all guns blazing for it. But... Um, all of those teams have got very, very good chances, I would say, to get into the the, the deep latter stages, uh, you would think, if they take it seriously. My final fun fact for you
0: that you're definitely going to be thinking about before you go to sleep tonight Brighton, obviously playing AAK Athens. It's their first ever game in European competition. Everyone knows that. They're the first debutant. English team in major European competition since Wigan Athletic in 2013 and 14 with none of the last six losing their first game so they've won four and drawn two uh, the last time an English team debuted in a European competition and lost was Blackburn Rovers it was a 1-0 defeat against Trelliborgs FF in the former <sighs> UEFA Cup in 1994
1: AK Athens are no joke. They drew it the weekend uh, at home to Olympiakos. Obviously, Olympiakos usually crush the, you know, pretty boring in the Greek league. AKR, you know, the number two team. Really tough match to start with for Brighton. But if you can go away and beat Man U three one, I don't think they should hold any fear. Realistically, if they put out a, a decent team, uh, and I think they did make a few changes uh, against Man U as well. I don't know if they that those were. Injury forced or just general resting and Zerbi doing a bit of rotation. But if you were them, given their, their current form and who they're beating, you, you'd certainly fancy them to take Athens.
0: Big bang, Jang, Juggernaut, number two, repeat or revenge. What we're we going for? Same again. <laughs> you couldn't have said the word repeat just to make that more.
1: Just Catchy. same again. Rinse and repeat. Fucking. Um... What's his name? Can take a take a hit. He's got a big chin on him, but I just see Big Ban Zhang being too long in his reach. He's got that stone iron jab just to keep him away. I just think it'll go uh, almost an exact replay of the first match, uh, first fight. If I'm honest with you, I think it you know literally could be you'd watch the two fights side by side and be like. This is exactly the same, in my opinion. I think unless there's been some serious uh, alterations uh, in training camps, I just think it goes exactly the same way. Agreed. Joyce Agreed. loses Agreed. again.
0: I think the issue for Joyce in the first fight was the fact that Zhang was Southport. And I don't know why, but whether Joyce has never fought or sparred against the Southport, he looked completely oblivious to how to, to handle it. And instead of moving outside of his opponent's right foot to try and find that punching room, He literally just stood there.
1: (laughs) Well, in fact, he moved in. So he's walking into the jab, like, you know, reconfigured his face. So um, you'd hope that surely the trainers have gone back to the training board there. They've brought in some southpaws for him to spar with to get him used to that. If you were Big Bang Zhang, I don't know if Big Bang Zhang is quite a a Terence Crawford in that he can switch stances and box either way, but. If you were him, you would expect, you know, again, if you're playing, if you look at boxing a bit like chess, you would expect that Joyce is going to have made those adjustments. So do you, to throw him off, make those equal adjustments and maybe come out in an orthodox stance to throw him off and then switch to Southpaw later? But um, let's be honest, neither of them are the the highest quality of fighters. So I think probably I'm giving far too much credit to Big Bang Zhang there that he can switch stances in Don't talk bad about way. Big Bang. He is
0: the greatest Chinese fighter the world has ever known. I mean, the thing is, about Big Bang Zhang and about Joe Joyce, you watch the first fight, it went exactly how, as you would expect. Not necessarily the result, but if you're Joe Joyce's team, you would say, this guy is going to come out, he's going to be a southpaw, he's going to try and jab you in the face for you know forever, as, as much as he possibly can. He's probably going to tire in the last stages at which point, as long as you're resilient enough, you can take him out. And I think this will happen again. I think Zhang will come out. He'll big bang, me, bang him in his face a number of times. He'll probably smash his eye in. And unless Joyce is more resilient or just decides, you know what, I might get out of the way of these punches because they, they hurt and I'm going to get knocked out again, it's going to go the same. So, I mean, it's heavyweight boxing, isn't it? And... Stating the obvious here, but knockout victory for either fighter wouldn't be a shock.
1: He's got but a punch just... his chance, Sonny Joyce. I mean, again, yeah. he, he, he can he can throw down. Uh, he, he's very, very durable. Uh, I, I always liken him. I think this is a good... He's I personally think he's a shit Chisora, which is saying something, you know, he's durable. It's hard to knock out. It's hard to put away. He can throw bombs, but he can equally stand in front of guys and basically be a punch bag. Um, and that's kind of what happened in the first fight, wasn't it?
0: It reminds me of, I don't know if you've seen the episode of uh, Simpsons, where Homer...
1: Takes on Mike Tyson.
0: Yeah, it's like a fake Mike Tyson, but it's clearly Mike Tyson. But he takes on boxing, and he's got no skill whatsoever, but his opponents tire out from punching him in the face. Smashing him so hard. Yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly what Joe Joyce is. And as soon as he fights someone who is above the pay grade of, Actually, I can punch a lot harder than that. I can break your face, as Zhang is at that level. And you can imagine Joe Joyce fighting someone like Tyson Fury or um, Usyk or Joshua or Wilder. It would be over in sort of, three rounds.
1: I think that if he loses this, he's going to tumble down the rankings. And any chance Agreed. of any of those fights is 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 probably in the rearview mirror. And um, you know, hopeful at best for him, but. Nothing really else on boxing for me. I mean, just a quick only, just because it sounds like we're about to wrap it up. Newcastle do look like they might be holding on despite that onslaught. 90th minute and it's 0-0. Uh, Leipzig have taken a sneaky 2-1 lead uh, against Young Boys with a 74th minute goal. So um, they are the current results uh, as it stands. oh Young Boys. Um, said Russell Brand. Um, but uh, <laughs> didn't think it was appropriate to make a certain uh, Leeds associated joke there with uh, somebody who liked yeah, young let, boys. But let's um, please
0: don't. I've had it from Millwall fans all the way through uh, the weekend. So
1: oh, was there um, some, yeah. songs about that was there. I, I saw I saw all some videos time. of the Mi- the Millwall fans going mental, like looking for scraps, trying to. Ju- like, it was just hilarious. But just on one point, where we talk about the fans, did you see that? Um, video of the Villa fan celebrating I think it was their third goal and he fell over the top the, of the thing, big the big yeah, flag, and he, flag and he <laughs> with him. It's fucking hilarious. that
0: um, Probably broke his back, which we're just sat here laughing. I mean, he was probably
1: saved by the fact there was a flag. If there wasn't a flag there, he could have died, to be fair. It could have been way more serious, but I haven't heard about his condition or how serious he was hurt, but that flag definitely saved him. But, um It's probably about it. Nothing else to do, but wish you a good time in Munich. Enjoy the Lederhosen and Steins.
0: Uh, I will try. There's apparently a place, I don't know what they call it in German, and I won't try my German again, as I did at the start of the episode, but it's essentially called in English Sick Hill, and it's where people leave the tents to go purposely be sick. I can only imagine that reeks, uh, probably worse than the toilets at our work, but why? I, I'll be honest with you,
1: I reckon that that sounds far too civilized to think that people are going to walk out of a tent, walk up a hill and puke. I reckon people are floor. just going to be like, yeah, just puking under the tables and shit, Just especially English people. Germans have a, probably a bit more class and are a bit more used to it, but you're going to see loads of stag dudes there. You're going to see loads of Brits out on it like that. And yeah, you're going to be walking through a shit ton of puke. I'll tell you that now. Undoubtedly, but I wouldn't have it any
0: other way. And obviously well, make we sure you have a good time,
1: and we look forward to an update on the next episode of your shenanigans and some tales from Munich.
0: The next episode will start. Unfortunately, Daryl's been arrested and isn't allowed this back. This is Ian in the
1: doing it on his own because <laughs> Daryl died of alcohol poisoning, thinking he could do ten steins in a day. I bet I could. Fucking no way. <laughs> Perfect time to end it then.
0: Uh, As always, thanks very much for listening and we will speak to you next week.